Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. And for the month of May, for all the Moving Iron Podcast listeners out there, if you go to axontire.com and use uh, code word sprayer, you get 5% off on Alliance 354 AgriFlex tires. So if you're looking to upgrade some tires, it's a great chance to get yourself a nice 5% discount off those Alliance 354 AgriFlex tires. Also, iron comps. If you're looking to see what's going on in the auction marketplace and what's coming up, a uh, good way to see trend lines develop and all those fun things, go to iron comps uh, by Tractor Zoom and use Moving Iron at checkout and you get a nice discount as well. So this week, uh, just like normally, about every every once a week, Sean comes, Sean Hackett from Hackett Financial of Book Raton, Florida comes on and talks about what's going on in the marketplace. And I tell you what, Sean, there's, there's plenty of stuff going on. We have uh, talked about this quite a bit. Here of late, and the markets are doing really the and about anything they should be doing. They're doing the opposite of what they should be doing. We've got planning progress out, and the planning progress reports are way ahead of schedule, just like we talked about a, a month or two ago. And typically, when you see that happen. You see some market kind of things take place and start to start to interact with each other and drive prices down. But we're seeing the opposite now. So, Sean, I guess as you take a look at these markets right now, especially the corn market. What's your thoughts on on that, and and uh, what are some of the driving factors we see here? I just think the market is reeling over this fail crop in Brazil. You know, they're trying to get their hands around the idea that you know this 800 million to 1 billion bushels of exports that the market was counting on to fill in the supply gap is not going to happen, and they and, and so they're just punch drunk, if you if for lack of a better term, and. So, so the realization is, is, you know, we might need an above trend line yield crop to make this work now. Like now an above trend line yield crop is just enough to just keep the market going, right. not actually build any surplus. Well, with the way the weather has been up to this point and the way the drought maps are looking and the way things are, you know, are, are, are transpiring, it, the chances of an above trend line yield crop this year, it's always possible, but don't look very good. And so the, the market's trying to grapple with, you know, how high do we have to go here to factor in the possibility that we have a below trend line yield crop with pretty much Brazil being offline from exports. So what do we have to do here? Um, and it's not sure. 
you know, it's not sure, and, and you can plant all the acres you want. Uh, let's assume that the USDA was wrong and, and, and they, they abided by Pinocchio's doctrine and, and they, they put out numbers that didn't make any sense. Right. Okay? Um, and let's say we get those two to three million acres back for soybeans and two to three million acres back for corn. Well, so what? Two million acres of corn, three million acres of corn, at, assuming 180 bush. I mean, you're not talking about a game-changing amount of extra corn production. It's, that's right. not going to overcome the South American... Brazilian lost corn production. It's it helps a little if you plant those extra acres, assuming you have 180 yield. Right. But I just think the market's in a place where they go, my gosh, we, we we need to get ahead of the curve and see what happens here and prepare for weather weather problems here in June July until we get clarity. Either that's not going to happen, or if it does, how bad is it going to be? Is it five bushels to the acre below trend? Is it ten? Right. Is it 15? And every, every one of those numbers means a different price for corn in order to, to get by and make things happen. So it, it's just a, it's a pickle. We're in what's called a pickle. Yep. And there's no easy way out of a pickle other than high prices and time. And, uh, and so we still feel as high as prices are, and you know, prices are higher than, we thought we'd see these kind of prices more like June, July timeframe. But we're seeing it now because even though we anticipated a drought in Brazil, and we were forecasting that it is it's it, you know there's no way one could have forecasted the worst drought ever right but that's the way it's turning out it, we're, we're getting the worst case drought scenario and that you know that's not something anyone could have known now we now know right and so there you have it and we're putting in so we still feel whatever the corn market needs to do we still think the highs will be in june july whatever they are is it eight is it nine you know We'll just have to play it by year. Right now, trying to predict the price of corn at this point, uh, heading into this drought cycle with what's going on in Brazil, it's really um, it's not something I don't think anyone can really do accurately, especially with all this money that can come pouring in our markets. I think you need to look at the time frame versus the price. You know, everyone says, what do you think the price is going to go? I'm like, I'm pretty sure the time frame of the top is, is somewhere between late June and late July. Focus on the time frame not the price. The price will be whatever it is. And it certainly seems to be, it'll be higher than we currently are. Mm -hmm. But what that number is, I don't know. Right. I don't know. All right. So that brings up my next topic. I was going to talk to you about next week. I think it's Wednesday next week. Um, a WASD report comes out and, you know, we're looking at world ending stocks and all these fun things. We're going to get an update on what's going on out there. Um, what, what kind of, uh, is that, does that have potential to throw a lot more gas on this fire? Or is that kind of, Pretty well baked into the into the cake here. I don't think the market gives a hoot about what the USDA thinks about the Brazilian corn crop. They've already made up their mind. Okay, they could come out with any number they want. I mean, you know, if the USDA does what they normally do, they're going to move incrementally down. So instead of it being mm -hmm. 102 metric tons, million metric tons for Brazil, they'll come down to 97 or 98. You know, we're down at 90 in my view. We're in, we're in, right. we're in a 90 million, 89, 88. 90 million metric ton corn crop. I and mean, that's where we're at. The USA is not going to say that in this report. That's not what they do. Right. The market does, is, is, is just, just going to ignore whatever the USDA says because they've already made, they're already trading a, a 90 million metric ton crop down 20% year over year. Yep. Um, so, so I'm not sure, what, what are they going to say that the government, you know, that, right. the, that, the, that, the, that the market's going to listen to? Yeah. They're not, they're not going to make any change to acres until the end of June. They're not, 
you know, they're not going to they're not going to come down enough on the Brazilian corn crop because that's not what they do. I don't really see what they're going to say other than, oh, okay, you know, we're just going to just roll a dice and hopefully it works out. And well, the market already knows that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So today I've been watching I've been watching markets a lot here late and just seeing what's going on today. Like you talked about, I think a week or two ago, um, corn and wheat kind of play that kind of back and forth scenario and, and re, where you're looking at uh, how pricing are. And, and right now, corn and wheat are within pennies of each other of, of being right on the nose. So talk about the pressure that, I mean, this this last snow, uh, cold snap that we got here just this last couple of days didn't really do any spring wheat any favors up in the northern plains. And obviously we're in some drought situations up there more so than in other places. So I guess as you take a look at corn versus wheat and what that whole thing looks like, man, there's there's another kind of a powder keg waiting to go off. Well, you know, we did an analysis going back 30 or 40 years about the price of Kansas City winter wheat versus the corn market. And there's just no example of those of the Kansas City wheat market trading at any appreciable discount to corn. Right now, we're pretty much at parity. You know, within a, within a couple of pennies, we're pretty much mm-hmm. identical for the July contract. So that means we're just going to push all kinds of feed demand over to KC wheat now as much as we possibly can because that's the mar- that's what the market's telling you we need to do right. Right. Um, and um, so so once again, kind of like we said a few weeks back, if you really want to buy corn, the best way to buy corn is to buy. KC wheat because there's a good chance KC wheat can outperform if we get some other factors that come into play to get the wheat market moving. I mean, we could trade a couple of dollars over corn if the wheat market has other things that happen to it. So, so that's a great what I call synthetic hedge for those that, for livestock producers. Say, look, you know, what, what can I do to to get a good risk point or risk reward point? You know, that's a great, that's a cheap way to get your get acts to protect your upside risks in corn prices. Now. We did another analysis. We looked at Minneapolis wheat versus KC wheat. And Minneapolis wheat is cheap relative to KC wheat. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, taking the third derivative from that, uh, you know, and, and looking at the weather, we've been having this cold, dry weather and all the problems and, and continued problems. It looks like we're going to have a really short crop. And there's no substitute, real natural substitute for high quality, 14, 50% protein spring wheat. Um, then that that is that is the undervalued, even more undervalued because it's cheap against. So 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 KC wheat is cheap against corn. Minneapolis wheat is cheap against KC wheat. So so when you're looking at the value chain, you know Minneapolis wheat is a tremendous value uh, in the grain markets right now. Whether you're a, a you know cash buyer of it or you're looking at uh, you know buying it for whatever reason, it, it, it's a um, it's an extremely undervalued part of the market. So we think we would focus on, you know, Casey winter wheat, and especially Minneapolis winter wheat for um, value if you're on the buy side needing to protect upside price. We think that's the best risk reward we can find right now. I mean, optimally, you should have, you know, protected your prices six months ago, nine months ago, like we've been talking on your program mm-hmm. repeatedly to do that. But if you didn't do that, you know, you have to try to make, try to make the, the least bad decision that you have to make right now and the, and, the, and what you should be doing is looking at what's the best value I can look at right now to protect myself in case we get a, a more even a more wild situation here in late June into July and then taking one last step further the rice market which is that was my next peak. question yeah <laughs> <laughs> the rice market relative <laughs> yeah. to the wheat market 
Rice is cheap relative to wheat. Right. So, so let's work this through. KC wheat is cheap to corn. Minneapolis wheat is cheap to KC wheat. Rice is cheap to wheat. So your ultimate value play right now in the grain markets is the rice market. And no, no, rice has a notorious um, history of delaying a move after the wheat market starts to take off, and then it quickly plays catch-up. If you look at the chart pattern of the July contract and even the September contract, we're starting to push ourselves over 14, which is a really, really important support, I mean, a resistance area that, you know, if we push through that and close above that, it sets off a whole cascade of technical buying, speculative buying, you know, all that we know is involved in our markets. And so that's a market that could, that may, that may actually just start, is just starting the catch-up phase, the reversion to the mean. And so that's where we see opportunity in the grain markets. Now, yes, rice is not the most liquid market in the world. And yes, Minneapolis wheat is not the most liquid market in the world. So you have to understand, you know, that concept Case to be obviously a much more liquid market, but nonetheless, if we're looking at the whole thing, where's our an opportunity in the value chain? That's where we see it right now. Yep. Okay. So after my rice question, I was going to come with custom cutters. Uh, they're going to start making that run um, in about a couple weeks or so here, starting Texas and work their way north through Kansas. How long will it be before the market starts taking a real hard look at what yields are? Um, you know, you know, Texas might be one thing, you know, Oklahoma might be one thing, Northern Oklahoma might be another, but by the time you get to Kansas, you're starting to develop a trend line as far as what that overall yield is going to start looking like. How far down that path are they going to go before they start really saying like, well, this is kind of what we thought, worst case scenario. Um, usually I'm trying to remember who the outfit is. It's the wheat board. I remember the wheat board does a does a I believe they do a, an, agron, an agronomic crop tour right yep. while it's being harvested mm -hmm. around this time. Um, the market they're a very credible outfit. They do really good work. Um, no one's perfect, but they're considered. I mean, you know, they put the USDA to shame in terms of you know the, they how they put do things. And so I think the market you know there's always rumors. You always hear rumors about yields and such, but I think the market will want that group to go in there. Do their work, and then come up with their what they think the yield's likely to be based upon uh, their methodologies, which have proven to be very good over the years. So, you know, um, I don't think it'll take long. I mean, they, they they usually do this in the early part of the in the early part of the the harvest cycle. So, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking about you know before the end of the month, you know, we would get a pretty good read on some some uh, get a, a better idea of what we're looking at. And how much damage was actually done during the series of winter kill events that we had in, in dry weather and, and different things that have hurt the winter wheat crop. I, mean, I, th I think I think end of the month we'll start to get a much clearer picture. And it may be that we don't have harvest pressure this year. It's possible, you know, that maybe we do what the grain markets did last year. They rally right through harvest because the crop's short and we need and we need the supplies. You know, maybe the winter wheat market will do something different and just stay strong and rally through harvest, which it doesn't usually do. Um, that's that. That'll be our best guess, Casey. Yeah. Well, great stuff, Sean. We got we got a lot of things ahead of us here. I think we've got a, a fair amount of uh, of excitement to to see, especially as we roll in these, especially through the month of May and into June. I think there's going to be some some big moves, um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how things settle come you know the end of the year after fall harvest rolls through. 
everyone needs to be prepared for, uh, I think, a, a multitude of limit up and limit down moves in these markets over the next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be gyrating all over the place. You're going to have to keep your emotions level. You know, you, you're going to have to keep yourself together because you're going to have, you know, markets we're not accustomed to seeing. We've already seen limit down, limit up in corn already, and, and we haven't even gotten started with the weather cycle in the U.S. So, so everyone needs to, be, needs to brace themselves for that, and, um, but have a plan. You know, if the, 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 you want, there's going to be a point to sell. You know, we're not going to $100 corn. So, uh, so, so, but, but you know, you, there is a point to sell here, Casey, somewhere in that window we talked about. So everyone needs to just kind of figure it out, piece it out, figure out how much they want to sell. And, and, and you're not going to catch the exact top of the markets like this. It's virtually impossible because they're going to be such overshoot capabilities. You just have to be happy with, Hey, you know, I got some of the high prices ever. Right. You know, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. That's for sure. That is for sure. All right. Good yeah. stuff as usual, Sean. If folks want to reach out to you, get more information about Hackett Financial and what they can do or what you can do for them, what's the best way to do that? Our website is at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, all kinds of interviews and white papers and sample reports and, and things to see how we look at things, if that might be a value to your listeners. Right on. And I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com, and that's where you're going to find all the latest information for the Moving Iron Summit. Uh, up on the navigation bar, just click on Moving Iron Summit. All the information is there as far as agendas go, speakers, those kind of things. And uh, Sean Hackett's going to be one of those speakers there. And with the fuel we see right now, Sean, uh, your, uh, your presentation is going to be even even more um, more timely than, than we have anticipated in the past. It'll be extremely timely. Um, it will be, I think, very... Uh, there'll still be time for actionable... Uh, for the people to take an actionable... Uh, you know, take actionable things to do to, to protect themselves. I mean, it's not too late to take some action. So we're hopeful that, that you know, those that come and those that listen... Um, even if they think I'm, that, I'm, that I'm crazy or nuts and don't know what I'm talking about, you know, I, I think if you look at the track record that on your show since we've been doing these podcasts for the last several years, and you know, mm-hmm. no one's perfect, we can always get you know some things wrong, but in general, we've bought the big picture items right pretty consistently, and we don't say these things because we want all this problems to occur. We would love to have nothing better than a, a nice, easygoing winter and have everybody have a nice, easy time. But our job is to prepare everybody for what we think our natural weather cycles are saying. So it would be, it's a really timely um, meeting that we're going to have there. And, and I think those that come will get great value out of it and can still make great waves to protect themselves to get through it in the least bad fashion, if that's, if that's for, for, for lack of a better way of saying it. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know? exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. But no, I'm looking forward to that, to that deal because with the pricing that we're seeing right now, you know, Higher prices aren't necessarily a better thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of problems that come along with higher prices, just like there's a lot of problems that come along with lower prices. So I mean, different kind of problems. Don't get me wrong, but there's it's just there's there's a lot of ebbs and flows there, and the swings are even bigger. You know, like we talked about last time when you're looking at five and six and seven dollar. 
corn, you know, and, and it's right now it's kind of hovering around that $7 mark. It'll jump up to seven fifteen and run back down to, you know, six ninety, six eighty five, something like that, and then kind of swing back and forth. But those swings, when it goes from $7 to, to $5, and even though it's still $5 corn, that's a big problem. So it's, it's a way, way bigger animal that you got to get your head wrapped around. Well, so we're, go- we're, we're going to have big knockdowns in this market, uh, you know, post summer i mean we're going to have some some big setbacks people will think the bull market's over people will think it's we're going back to three you're gonna hear all this stuff yep. in the fall I, we think about you know it's all over we're, we're back to the bear market and there's no hope no future for farming don't believe it um it, that's you know that that will be what allows the opportunity for livestock producers by the way to get that opportunity to extend coverage into 2022 you, you need that bearishness to, to get to get the other side whole, we don't want to ruin our entire demand base, Casey. Uh, completely, we we like to keep somebody wanting to buy corn. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, yep. and, uh, and and the ethanol plants wanting to buy corn, and we need to give them a break. We need to give them a window where they can get something done and keep them in business. And so we, it would be a really good thing to have kind of a mini crash into the fall, like we think will happen. Uh, but to, you know the. The buyers don't believe the bears, mm-hmm. and the producers don't believe the bears. It it won't be what everyone's telling you, but it will offer an opportunity. Absolutely, so. yep, yep, good stuff. So, check out moving9lc.com. Get all the information. Um, h- highly recommend coming to the to the conference. Sean's been there once before. Um, great place for for minds to get together and, and talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So, so make sure you check out movingironllc.com for the entire library of the Moving Iron podcast as well as any blogs I have posted. I got one coming out here where I'm talking about the the ecosystem uh, of the of the used equipment cycle, what that looks like and all those fun things. So that'll be out here very soon that you guys can check that out. Also, Sean and I have a uh, interview scheduled uh, this week with Dr. Zarkova again to talk about how uh, how carbon affects the um, what's going on uh, with weather right now and, and get her aspect. I'm looking forward to that, Sean. I think it's going to be another great interview to put in with those other two that we already put out. Yeah, I mean, so we're going to go over you know what, what from her perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what drives... Uh, climate and temperature, um, how the sun impacts it, what her view is on, uh, you know, some of these uh, greenhouse gas ideas, and and have her sift through data, you know, not an opinion, mm-hmm. just the data. What does the data say? What does the data show? What does her study show? So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, everyone just keeps an open mind, like we always do, but it's going to be good information, and it might, and, we, and we'll be talking about things that maybe many. Uh, haven't heard before. I don't hear a lot of discussion about, but but I think it's a discussion that continues to need to be had, um, so that a balanced approach to to what actually science actually says, not what people say, and and and, and kind of get a better handle on what really are the long term drivers of climate and temperature and weather that uh, that we talk about on your program so so often, yeah, so often, absolutely, so. absolutely. So also make sure you guys. Uh, if you're out and about and you're and you're looking to buy some new tires, you go out to axontire.com, use sprayer uh, as the code word there, and you get that 5% off of the Alliance 354 AgriFlex tire. So make sure you do that. It's just for the Moving Iron Podcast listeners. Um, special deal they put together for just the listeners of this podcast. And uh, so if you're in the market for some new tires, make sure you check that out. Also, check over to uh, Tractor Zooms Iron Comps and use Moving Iron to check out as well. And you get yourself a nice discount there too. So... With that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Until next time, let's go move some iron, folks. Out. 
You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here